Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Hope you're doing well. Good to be together today, and as Marcy said, we'll be working our way through Colossians. We only have this week and next week left in our series where we're locking in on our Lord. And the goal is to live fit and faithful to the finish and excited about the text that that, uh, God has for us that we'll be unpacking. But uh, before we dig into it, it was on May the 25th, 1979, that Dennis Waitley was running through the O'Hare airport. He was hoping to catch his flight from Chicago to L.A., but he was running late, so he's dashing through this airport, making the best time that he can make when he reaches the gate to discover doors closed. He begs with the people, can you let me in? I I need to get to L.A., but like, nope, we are, gate is shut, this plane is flying, and so he takes his place at the ticket counter, long line of frustrated customers, to register a complaint and to rebook his travel. As he's standing there in line, a heart-wrenching announcement comes over the the intercom. Flight 191 going to L.A. had crashed. During takeoff, the engine under the left wing of this DC-10 disconnected with the plane, putting it into a roll that, that it could not recover from. All 258 passengers, 13 crew members, died in the crash. And there stands Dennis with the ticket. He should have been on that plane. It rocked his life. And as you can imagine, he, uh, he never let go of that ticket. He took it home with him. And then he put it on his, uh, at, in his office in a visible spot where every day that ticket, Flight 191, was a reminder to him that this day, this moment, is precious. It was something that when life would get hard and work would get heavy, and look at that and remember what matters most. It reoriented his perspective. It fueled his passion to be about what matters most. And you know, as we come to this text, at the end of of this letter, written from the heart of Paul, who loves these people, this text has a similar effect renewing our perspective, stoking our passion for what matters most, specifically what matters most to God, and that is people who are far from him and the mission that God has given us as his followers to share the message of hope with these people. This is why Paul, Paul did not have a flight 191, but what he did have was something attached to his wrist, which will appear in this text and appears throughout his writings in its chains. He's chained in prison. Because of this message of hope. And these chains, visible, he feels them, he hears them. They they are restricting his freedom. But they're a reminder to him that there's a battle on. There's an enemy that does not want this message going out. And his time may very well be short. Because he will soon be uh, under trial and possibly lose his life for this message. And so as Paul comes to the end, you can just feel his passion and This text is a gift for us, equipping us to lock in on our life mission. The question that it raises and that 
She's running through my mind this week, and, and I invite you to, to just let this question settle in is, am I living locked in on the mission that God has, has given me? It's so easy to become distracted, isn't it? We, we get caught up in all the other pursuits and um, good things of, of life, and we lose sight of our core calling, which is to reach people who don't know Christ. It's why Jesus came to earth. He was reminding his followers again and again and those who are wondering, why are you doing this? He says, I came to seek and save lost people. It's why he came. It's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, one of the primary purposes of the Spirit of God within us is to empower us to be a witness. Simply to say, this is who Jesus is, what he's done for me and what he is doing and what he will do. It's Paul's final content challenge of this letter the last thing he writes that that has to do with instructing and, and teaching these folks it's mission and what a gift it is to us and so we'll dig into it we'll read through it and then we'll unpack it verse 2 he says devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ the gospel for which I am in chains Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so the challenge that emerges out of this text, the overarching challenge, I'll share the challenge and then we'll, we'll unpack it, but it's this. Be praying. Be wise and be full of grace as we live on mission. The first action step we see in this text is to be praying as we live on mission. Don't you love it? We all know this. This is not new information, but God just calling us back to the basic of don't try this alone. (laughs) Stay connected to me. It's a call to intimacy. It's, and I just love this. We're, we're, this life with Christ is a call into a, where we go to work with the Father, where, where, where we're in step with Him, where we're talking with Him. He says, well, how should we be praying? And it's interesting in this text, we see five qualities that should shape and guide our, our conversation with our Lord as we, we go about our life and life mission. The first is const, there's a constancy to it, or, or it's constant, it's continual. We see that in the first part where he says, devote yourselves to prayer. That word devote, it's literally just keep on praying, continue in prayer, don't stop. It's the idea of endure, persevere, just, just stay connected. Here we see the priority of prayer as we live on mission. It's, you can hear the echoes of John 15 where Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but, but with me, you will bear much fruit, so remain in me. This is it's through prayer that we remain in the Lord and we, we uh, abide in him and walk with him. With him, it's neat to think. You know, we get a little nervous when we think about going on mission, but when we go on mission with him in prayer, that's the first step, we have the resources of heaven at our back. You know, he's going to provide. He's going to guide. He's going to lead. And what an encouragement. But most of all, what a gift to know that, that God desires relationship with us as we go about our work as his ambassadors here on earth. You know, it's not just about getting the job done. It's about doing it with him, enjoying him in the process, the intimacy and, and the joy. That's where, that's where it's at. 
So he says, continue to pray. Every once in a while, I don't know if you feel this in your prayer life, but we want to be disciplined and pray for all kinds of things, so we form a list, and, and I can be praying through my list, and I realize I'm not even talking with the Lord. I'm somewhere off just, and it's almost like the Lord's just smiling, sitting there smiling, and said, hey, John, when you're done with your list, can we just talk? Like, how are you doing? Just how are you doing? You know, what, what's worrying you? What, what's, how's your family doing? Let's talk about your family. What's going on? You know, and how's your work? And what are you enjoying these days? How, how's the Cubs? Let's not talk about the Cubs. They're horrible. Actually, let's talk about the Cubs. Can you please help them, Lord? They're sliding. <laughs> you know, it, it's relationship. That's what he desires. That's the gift that he's given us. A daily, so this is where our daily meeting, when we meet with him and get in his word and talk, it becomes a day-long conversation. Being summertime, the image that keeps coming to my mind is water skiing. You know, and you can be the best skier in the world. Skipping Cape Budney out at your lake. I know Beaster's out there making jumps and all that stuff. Amazing skier. There's great skiers from all over come out there. But you know, you may be the most skilled skier, but if you aren't holding on to the rope, you will sink. Right? And so it is in the Christian life. Prayer is the rope. The moment we let go, we sink. Because it's his presence, his power that, that fuels it all. But if we will tenaciously hold on to him through prayer and, and keep that conversation alive, we're walking on water. <laughs> what we're doing, what, what, what's otherwise impossible, through his power as he, as he uh, provides for us. I, I, I don't know if I've been reading through John 13 to 17 just on a regular basis. The promises Jesus makes around prayer are breathtaking astounding he says if you will ask in my name and you're abiding in me you're going to do greater things than i did We're like uh really <laughs> it's what he says we will pray stay connected but the second quality of prayer that should or quality that marks our our conversation with him is that we're watchful in verse two he says Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This idea of watchful echoes what Jesus told his disciples there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Keep your head on a swivel. We're, we're in a battle. There's evil all around. Temptation, your spirit is willing, your flesh is weak. So this is where we're, so we're praying. We're thinking, where's the enemy at work? Where's the temptation in my life, their life? And we're, uh, it, it's like we're walking through a, a battlefield, and where we see evil unleashing, we're laying down some prayer prayer cover for my brother, for my sister, for my family, for my wife, for my own soul. Lord, I feel the apathy blanketing my soul right now, and we're putting prayer for some passion. Be watchful. Um, prayer is one of the weapons that God has given us. Third, he says, be thankful. The, uh, as we talk with the Lord, love, the tone of our, our conversation is one of gratitude. And earlier in Colossians, you saw that joyful thanks, joyful gratitude. Why? Well, the first reason is for all that he has given us, um, just to, to be his kids. I, I love the way he summed it up in Colossians 1, verse 13, where he says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. 
So our rescue, our redemption. Over in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with the character of Christ. And as you think about who we are in Christ, so much to be thankful for. But, you know, guys, in this context, I think there's another reason God's calling us to be thankful. And it's this. Have you noticed when you are enjoying something and you're thankful for that thing, you are more prone to share it? Talk about it? Example, the month of May, it was actually after I um, had uh, met with the Story family who will be joining our church today. I had like 30 minutes to kill between uh, that meeting and getting back to church. And it was dinner time, and I've been wanting to try this CJ's Pizza in Plainfield. It's New York style, and um, never met a pizza I didn't like, but always looking for the best. And so, dropped by, and I tasted this stuff. And I don't know if you've had it. CJ's, little hole in the wall right there on the, as you're going through the, uh, right by the diner, and diner's better than this. But, um, unbelievable pizza. It was a worship moment, driving back to church, eating this stuff, and then I'm like, I got to tell Tam about this. So we're ordering it ordering it for her chad and laura bring it over that next i'm like guys you gotta have we're, we're i was telling people about it why because i enjoyed it i was thankful for it when we are grateful for all the things god has given us i believe it readies our soul to be a witness for him to share the good thing i mean take your list of 15 things you're most thankful for god about you could take one of those things and i'm not afraid to share about christ i could talk for an hour about the fact that you know what he did for my fear I was a fear prone person he turned my fear into courage now life is not a nightmare to be feared but an adventure to be enjoyed and I can tell you about that you know isn't that cool and I think it flows out of um, it starts with prayer starts with our communion watchful thankful but then he, he goes on he says pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. The, uh, the fourth quality here is we're praying for open doors to share Christ. Notice Paul doesn't pray for, when he says open door, what's your mind immediately go to? If you're in prison and you say, I'm praying for an open door to get out. <laughs> you know, that's the obvious prayer. I, I'm, I would be praying for an open door for my freedom. But that's not what he prays for. He's praying for an open door to accomplish the mission, which here you see Paul's resting in the providential placement of God in his life. Maybe today you're in an uncomfortable situation that you wish you weren't in. But what if it's that very situation that God is going to open a door for you to share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know, to be Christ to them, share his love, whatever that may be. And isn't it neat to just Paul's, and it, you also see the divine human co-op. Who does the work of evangelism, drawing people to, to God? Well, God, it, it's all him that opens our eyes to the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of Christ. But he calls us to be a part of it, and it's a divine human co-op. So Paul, God opens the door, and we go share the, the gospel. And we get to join him in his work. That's our calling. So here's the question. One question out of this text was this prayer answered when, when Paul said, hey, believers in Colossae, would you guys pray God would open a door? Well, we know the, a letter he writes after this time to the church in Philippi. What's he thanking God for? 
he opened a door into the Praetorium Guard. 9,000 Imperial Roman soldiers who were taking turns being chained to Paul. And he took that open door, shared the gospel with them, and he said, the gospel is spreading through these, um, these warriors. And, and the prayer was answered. Question, do I really believe if I pray for an open door, if you pray for an open door this week, that God's going to open a door for you to share the, the hope of Jesus Christ with somebody this coming week? Do you really believe this? He will. This is what God is doing on planet Earth at this time and inviting us into it. As a ministry team, it's neat to think how we can encourage each other in this, pray for each other in this, but specific also, thanks to your generosity and, and faithful giving, we are able to support right now 14 mission, ministry teams or mission teams who are planting churches in places in the world where the gospel is, is limited or where there's not a... a a, a faithful church, a gospel preaching church in that area. And it's just neat to think, even this morning, as we think through, I think of the Billingtons in Canada, you know, and, and a Jared and Alyssa Raker, they're in Turkey, that we can pray, God, would you open doors for the gospel for them? And then we can pray it for each other as well. So we go out into our mission field. Um, there's people that you are going to reach this week that Jared and Alyssa can't reach. I can't reach, others can't reach, but God has put you there. And to be praying for open doors as we help each other live on mission. Fifth, he's a fifth quality that should shape and guide our conversation with the Lord is asking him to have clarity as we share the message of, of the gospel. There in verse 4 he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Does this encourage anybody else that Paul felt the need to, for prayer cover around saying what he was supposed to say in a clear way. <laughs> and think, man, it encourages my heart. You say, well, why is Paul asking for this? Well, we all feel it, don't we? It's, every situation is unique that we come into. You know, it's unique territory, and every person is at a different place, and so there's wisdom that has to be around that. And then when... We talk about sharing the good news of the gospel. It's so big, you, and you can say it in so many ways that uh, it can be challenging. But, but here, as we pray, Lord, help me have clarity. It's helpful for us to just, okay, what, what's, the, what's the core of it? What's the, the essence of the gospel, the essence of the good news? And to be ready for that, to be ready to share. I love the way Paul shares it with crystal clarity in Colossians chapter 1 verse 21, where he says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel, the good news that you heard and that has, has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become its servant, or its doulas, its slave. The, uh, you know, every once in a while, you're talking with someone, and here, you know, I, I trust Christ as my Savior, and I'm doing the best I can to be the best I can be so that I hope I can get to heaven when I die. 
And that always raises this yellow flag in my mind. Do you truly understand the gospel? Because when we die, which we all will, we all have an expiration date, and the question is, how can we be sure that when we die, we enter God's presence and the Lord lets us into heaven? Well, we know clearly through Scripture there is only one way to enter heaven. We have to be perfect. To, to dwell with the holy God, no sin can be present. We have to be perfect. You can't, none of us are going to be good enough. And so the, the good news comes back to what if perfect was a gift <laughs> what if perfect is a gift and that's the message of the gospel Jesus lived a perfect life died for our sin and when we put our faith and trust in him we receive his righteousness his to be perfect every time you have a decision you have to make the right decision he did that for us and we get credit for his righteous life through faith. You remember the time this open just became, and maybe today it's the first time you're seeing this. Like, this is awesome. I, I remember it was Romans chapter 3, verse 21, that God used to just open my eyes to this beauty, where he says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. This righteousness, and righteousness mean, means making the right decision every time in God's eyes, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Today, if you're here and you know your life's a mess, you know you've sinned against God, you know you're far from Him, but you say, I believe in Jesus. I trust Him as my Savior, that He is the one who, fully God, took my sin upon Himself, died on the cross in my place, and I, I'm trusting him, you receive his righteousness. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified, declared righteous, freely, by his grace. What is grace? Undeserved favor. There is only one way we are saved, and it is grace alone, through the redemption that came by Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, and he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so, that, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So the gospel, in a nutshell, is to believe that God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place. And by believing in Him, we have forgiveness of sin, eternal life, His righteousness forever. And today, I, in, at our close of our time, I'm just going to ask if anybody would like to receive Christ as your Savior, trust Him for the first time. And I ask you just to raise your hand, and I'll lead you in a prayer and um, begin this journey. But there's no greater news on earth is there followers of jesus in this is coming back to the sweet simplicity of beauty of this gospel it's our hope and we get to share it with with those around us
So, back to the challenge of the day. Let's be praying. It's the first step as we live on mission. The second action step is to be wise as we live on mission. We see this in verse 5 where it says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So, to be wise means seeing the big picture, understanding how life is working right now. The big picture meaning the main thing God is doing right now is drawing people to himself through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what's going on. That's the, the plan, and that plan is playing out through us. We're, there's no other plan B. We are plan A as we as his followers take this gospel, enter into relationships with the people around us, and share this message of, of hope. So here's the thing. Our aim as we go out and do life is to build bridges of genuine friendship with people and then just live like Jesus would live as we do life with them. And as we have opportunity to share the hope, we share the hope. If, if he calls us just to, to love, we, we just love, but we're, we're in step with him as we're living in community with, with outsiders or people who don't know Christ. You say, what's this look like in everyday life? He sums it up there in second part of verse 5 where he says, make the most of every opportunity. So it's maximizing opportunities the literal wording here is redeeming the time or buying up the time buying it, it means like like the the flight 191 ticket it's being um, sensitive to the fact that this is the only time i'm going to be on this day and the opportunities around me these are this isn't a practice run or a dress rehearsal this is my one and only life and we won't be back to this day so what are the opportunities to be about what matters most in life Helping people who don't know Christ get to know him. And so rather than putting up barriers around minor issues, we're blowing down barriers and building bridges for the gospel. It's exciting to think, you know, and this is what gets you up out of bed in the morning too, to think today's going to have some opportunities that, that no other day will have to be Christ to the people around me, to live as he would live and have opportunity maybe even to win a soul for him you, you know and um, help this person on their journey now God's the one who does the winning and all of that but we get to be in the game with him and this is the joy of life I found myself this week just praying Lord would you give me a just a radar for and a readiness to to come alongside people who are running low on hope because can you imagine trying to do life without Christ and and I know lots of people around us do, but that I would just be ready to, where God's at work in someone's heart, and they're realizing, I don't have hope, and I need help, and that I would see that, and step into that, and um, that's being wise, and making the most of, of opportunities. Third action step we see, as we set out to lock in and live, our, live out our mission, is to be full of grace. And we see this in verse 6, where he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Grace is undeserved favor. And we're called to let our conversation be full of grace, but we know our words come from our heart, and so I think we can just extrapolate. This, this is just having a, that our soul, that our being, that all that we say, think, do, would be flavored with grace. Now, what is grace? I mentioned earlier it's, it's, a, it's undeserved favor, I love the way Paul uses it to really sum up the gospel there in verse, chapter 1, verse 6. He says, 
in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace and I remember reading that thinking do I truly understand God's grace and that's a great will we ever truly understand God's grace okay imagine you drive uh, head out to lunch today and pick a restaurant we'll say Lara you're, you're eating Mexican you come out after a good lunch with your family and there's a we'll say high school guy you catch his key in your car, like taking his keys and just right down, like both doors, just because his buddies are out there laughing. And get a laugh. He messes with your, and you catch him in the scene, in the moment, he freezes. What do you do? Well, our minds immediately go to justice. He messed with my car for no reason. He must pay. And he's going to learn his lesson. I'm going to call the cops police report and he'll even might even have to stand before a judge and it'll, it'll be a lesson he'll never forget now when we're wronged we quickly go to justice don't we it's just where we go make it right until we're the one who did the wrong we get pulled over for a ticket what are we hoping for police officer would you give me justice no or, or mercy <laughs> and that's the next the other option so you have justice but then you have option two which is mercy radical you imagine going out to this guy and saying, ah, oh, right now, honestly, I'm so mad. It's my car. But I'm going to let you off. This is going to cost me $500 to $1,000 down at Hackleman. But I'm going to pay that, and I'm going to let you go free. I'm going to have mercy on you. I can tell you're young. You probably don't have a lot of money. You're forgiven. That's mercy. That's radical. But there is a third category. <laughs> and this is the one we struggle with as humans. Imagine you walk out. You see this guy doing this. Like, this is my good car. This is my Sunday car. This is the car I like to drive. This is the car I wax. I take care of. My wife, this is my wife's car. And here are the keys. It's yours. What? It's yours. It's yours. That's grace. And that is how God has treated us, is treating us in this moment as we continue to deface who He made us in His image as we choose sin over Him and will treat us into eternity, the riches of His grace poured out on us in Christ. And He says, now this is how I want you to treat each other. Flavor your conversation with this stuff as you talk to people outside the faith family. Can you imagine the effect on people? You say, John, come to my real world. You can't do that in the business world. You gotta be dog on dog or you will not be promoted. What if promotion isn't the goal? What if souls are the goal? And what if God's got your back? And what if someone does you wrong and you respond with grace? They're asking, what was that? How can I get some of that? Grace. 
I was thinking, as you think about the people who are effective in sharing their faith, and they just are drawing people to Christ um, in your own life, but then big picture, the one well-known evangelist that we not think of, uh, Billy Graham, uh, Luis Palau, others. What marks their life? And it was interesting to me. Prayer, wisdom, and action, making the most of opportunities, and they're grace-filled people. <laughs> they don't care what you've done, where you've been, what... Why? Because they've been basking in God's grace, the gospel of his grace. And it fuels them to, to be a grace-filled person. I remember, you know how you have those Forrest Gump moments in your life where you bump into somebody who might be famous or whatever? I was working as a security guard and when we were in Dallas, going to school at a church, Northwest Bible Church, right in the middle of Dallas. And um, it was one evening, and I'm out cruising the campus, and I bump into a guy that was kind of lost and needed to get to the room. And so I took him to the building where it was, went up the elevator with him, and um, had a great conversation. It was one of the most loving, joyful, and grace-filled people. It's like, man, Jesus was just shining through this dude. So I go back, and I find out, who was that? And uh, it was Luis Palau, the Billy Graham of Latin America, showing up at a random. I'm like, man, if I had known that, would I have him sign my Bible or something? And, uh, but, you know, I still remember... Luis's grace and, and joy and love. And recently I was listening to a podcast with him on there, and he's, he's got cancer, he's almost home, and 80-something, um, but still full of grace. And he told this story. He said, guys, the, the uh, person interviewed him said, what would you say to us today? And he goes, don't get caught up in the skirmishes down here, the political stuff. Don't get caught up in that. We're above that. We're ambassadors of the king. And he said, let me tell you a story. When I was a young evangelist, Billy Graham told me that. Don't get caught up in the political stuff. But I ignored him one time. I was in Cuba, and Castro was the president. Communist, and he hated Christians, and he hated pastors. And so I put out a track that said, Castro or Christ? Guess how many times I've been back to Cuba? Zero. <laughs> Castro got wind of it and said, nope, this guy's never coming back. He, he blew up the bridge by going after Castro. He didn't need to do that. Just preach Christ. He's been to China again and again and again. Friends high up in the China government because he learned his lesson. Just full of grace, right? Full of grace and play to win. The, uh, also, share one quickie tidbit. The prayer, he said, there's five ways God answers prayer. And he was so, he said, guys, just keep praying. Five ways God answers prayer. And I love this. They just stick and I'll share them with you. First is, yes, I thought you'd never ask. Second, yes, and here's more. Third, no, I love you too much. Fourth, not yet. Um, yes, but not yet. It's coming. And fifth, yes, but not in the way you asked me. I'll, I'll give it to you in another way. Love that. So back to the question of the day. Am I living locked in on mission or have I become distracted from the core calling of reaching lost people? I love the story Max Licato tells of when he went into the uh, grocery store, and it was back pre, way back in the day when they gave out samples. This will probably be something we never do post-COVID. But you know, you had the people there standing with, and as soon as he walked in, he could smell the sausage plate and all those toothpicks and those sausage, and that's what he wanted, but there was another plate full of celery and, and some spread on it. And he's, ah, I want sausage, but I'll go for the celery. So he walks over to the celery, and uh, he had the 
the person there was organizing the celery on the plate and didn't see him. So he stood right there, still didn't see him. He did a circle around, didn't see him. Cleared his throat, didn't see him, and it was clear to him. God wanted him to have sausage, and so he went over and had the, so- had the sausage. But you know, as he reflected on this, and as I reflect on this, is how easy it is to be like that sausage person, I mean the celery person. God has given us a gift to share. And yet we can get so caught up in organizing our lives and, and ordering the celery that we forget the person right there that needs what we have and that we've been called to share with. And, and may God just fire us up again today to lock in on this mission to people, people who are far from him. This week, I'll, honestly, this text was, I found myself put myself in the doghouse, just like, John, your passion to share Christ is low, and here you've been walking with God all these years, and uh, I just heard the Lord whisper, John, don't beat yourself up on this. It's a new day, and this is why I give you my word, and why we get together, and maybe today that's you. You're like, man, I'm just down here on this. I've lost focus, and I'm, and you can either beat yourself up, or you can say, hey, it's a restart. Today's a new day. You know, Eugene Peterson said, following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction, and it's marked by many restarts. And so may I encourage you today, just let this be a restart for you. This text, just restoke our passion to be about what matters most, to be praying, to be wise, and to be full of grace. So a couple practical ways to live this out. First, um, one of the things we talk about as a church family is all of us have one life that we're praying for. We don't have to reach the world. We just reach that one that God has in front of us. And so may I encourage you to to continue to pray for this person. And maybe even this week, pray for an open door to share the message of hope and just ask God to to provide that and then be ready to to go. Second, the Lord says, train yourself to be be godly. In in the Timothy's there, train yourself. Or uh, to be godly is to be like Christ. So, I can't go out and run a marathon right now, or at least it would be an ugly scene, but I can train for that. Sharing Christ, being um, locked in on mission and, and being effective in sharing Christ, something that we can train towards. And so as a church family, we have a resource that we make available all the time. I, I train with it twice a year at the start of football season in March Madness, but I'm going to go this week. And I encourage, um, I'm praying 50 of us will we'll do it as well. It's back in the back, but it's 21 days, go reach training. And each day there's a verse, there's a question, there's a challenge, and it's designed to do together. You can do it with your spouse, do it with a friend, um, small group, but would you be willing to, to train to go reach? And it, it just readies our soul and gets us back in the game in the realm of, of living on mission. And then third, in a couple weeks, we're going to start a message series aimed to, to help families thrive and uh, in August. We're calling it Best Advice Ever, and we'll be working through the book of uh, Proverbs and the advice that God gives us specifically around relationships and how those play out in our families. But when you think about where we live in Hendricks County and just the, uh, the incredible joys of life that flow out of family, but also the incredible pain that flows out of family, and then imagine what it would be like to do family try to make it work apart from God. And for those of us who follow Christ, it's, it's still 
a challenge. But imagine trying to, to do that apart from God. And who's the family in your realm of influence that you could invite? Hey, come get some hope for, for doing life as family. And hopefully, um, we'll lead them to the one who is the sum of all wisdom, and that's Christ. And so, praying towards that, it's our series in August. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we uh, thank you for just stoking our passion again today through your word and the instruction though also that you've given us, equipping us to, to continue to be praying, talking with you, living in relationship as we live on mission. And then, Lord, that we pray that you would give us wisdom, give us courage and boldness, making the most of every opportunity. And then we pray that you would fill us up with your grace. And as we bask in the grace that you have poured out on us, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do through your word and through um, our faithfulness this week. We pray that you would open doors, draw people to yourself. And I pray even in this moment that you would be drawing people to yourself. And if we could just have everyone keep your eyes closed and just ask if there's someone here today and you've realized, I don't know Christ. I, I don't have a relationship with God. And I want to step into that today. Would you just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me. Pray for me. This is you. I'll, I'll lead in a prayer in just a moment. All right. I see no hands. So assuming we all know Christ. Could I challenge the rest of us as we pray? Just who could I bring in this place that doesn't know Christ? That, uh, that this would be a place where sinners find hope. Lost people, we're all sinners, but those who haven't trusted Christ would find hope. And we'd just be lit up to be an inviting presence in our community. Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this team that you've assembled, Lord. And we're just pumped to go out this week faithful to join you in the work that you're doing. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.